Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church. Well, if I have not had a chance to meet you yet, uh, my name is Samuel, and it is Beck and I's absolute honor to get to serve you guys here at Life West. And welcome. Stick around afterwards. I would love to shake your hand and say hello. We got a question for you this morning. Who here knows how to ride a bike? Raise your hand if you know how to ride a bike. Anybody remember learning to ride your bike? You were like, yes, yeah. you're like yesterday. You know, it's um, it can be a little bit interesting. I remember when I taught my girls to ride a bike. We put them on a little bike, got something their size, and you just find a hill and push them. And it's like, there they go. And, and that's, that's, what, that's how you teach them to ride a bike. Well, it worked. And we, we, we picked a hill with grass on it. So when they would fall, you're like, oh, I mean, you're okay. And, and they did. And they learned. And, and none of them died in that process. But by the time that Hunter came along, there was something a little different that I'd learned about. And it was a balance bike. And it was basically a bike without pedals. So I was like, I got to go get one of those. So I went to the store and I was like, wait a second. There's l- it doesn't have pedals. It should cost less than a regular bike and it costs more. And I was like, that don't make sense. So I just took the ones that we had and took the pedals off. And so that's how he learned. And I was like, yay. And bike riding, whether you know or not, which most of us, it seems, do know how to ride a bike. When you get going, if you've ever seen a bike race, you've probably seen something like this where they seem to get in a line, and then they kind of take off, and they group together. And here you can see it's teams grouping together. And there's a reason that they do that. Because at first, when you're riding your bike, you, know, you understand this, that you have to, under, you have to overcome gravity when, when riding your bike. You're like, I just, I just have to. Well, the next thing you have to overcome is the rolling resistance, and that's your wheels and how heavy the bike is and that stuff. But then the big one is the wind. In fact... If you are going about 20 miles, a bike rider on a flat road going 20 miles an hour, 80% of the resistance that you're feeling, the thing that you're fighting is just the wind. It's just you trying to push a hole through the air. And so what these guys are doing right here is something called drafting. And that's where the riders get one right after another and they get as close as they can. They get really close together. And what happens is the wind goes around that first rider and it doesn't have time to come back together again. So by the time the second rider comes through, he doesn't have to push through as much wind. In fact, they say it's somewhere around, and again, I'm, it, it's around, but somewhere around 27% less resistance for that second rider. They just get to try 75% is hard. And then you add another rider, and that's about 35% less work that they have to do. And it works. I don't know if you've ever done it. Years ago, I was in a race, and typically we do mountain bike races and they're off-road. Well, this one, they had us on a bike path up in Whitehall. And my teammate and I are cruising along on our mountain bikes on a bike path, which I'm like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing, but it's part of my race. I'm just doing this. And this team that we had raced against several other times, um, which was a lot faster than us, blows by us. And I'd looked at the map, and I'm like, we're going to be on this bike path for like 20 miles. So I, I, I yell back to Molly. I'm like, let's try to draft them. So this team passes us, and we just book it. We get right on this team's tail, and we just stay there. And we're on mountain bikes doing about 28, 29 miles an hour on a bike path. And 
Molly and I are behind this team in front of us, and they're trying to lose us. And they, we got going about 35 miles an hour at some of these points. There's, they're trying to break away from us, but they can't because they're doing all the work, punching the hole, and me and my teammate are like, la, na, 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 and we're just cruising on these bikes. And yes, it was a mountain bike, and, and the more modern bikes, mountain bikes that you buy now are, only have 12 gears that are one by 12, and you don't even get the gearing to do that. But we had these older bikes. That's one of the things they do well. And this team got so frustrated that they couldn't lose us because we're back there not working near as hard as they are. So they're getting mad at each other. And you can hear him, and he's like, we got to go faster. And she's like, oh, my God. And I'm just like, hee, 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 having fun. And then it got really bad, and, and all of a sudden, so she gets up in the front, and the guy that had been in, in, in the front switches, and he comes a little further back, and, and he just slams on his brakes. And my tire's about this far from his. And so all four of us, because he doesn't stop in time, and we don't, so all four of us end up crashing into each other on the side. And this guy's all... And he's all mad, and I'm like, thanks for the help. And I just get on my bike, and I'm like, we'll see you in a little bit. We're just going to keep going, because what else can you do? But here's the point that I want you to take away from that whole story. What we want to do in life is similar. Find somebody who's better than us and jump behind them and let them pull us along. And you might not be on a bicycle right now, but it works in life as well. And what we're doing in a series right now that we're calling Chasing Giants is looking at some people in the Bible that did some awesome things and saying, why do we have to recreate the wheel just for ourselves? Look at what they did. In fact, it says this in Hebrews 13, verse 7, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. He's like, look, don't try to do this all for yourself. Look at the result of some of these leaders of the faith. Look at these guys. Look at what they've done and be like, why not do that? Let them punch the hole. Let them do it and let's go there. Now, I have no trouble stealing things. I have no trouble. I, I like to work by myself. I, I build things and, and, and work with my hands and I love it. But when, in, when I, somebody has a really good idea or way of doing it, why not just use their idea? I don't need to be original. I really, really don't, especially when it comes to sermons. There's hardly a topic that somebody hasn't preached. And I'm like, if there's a good sermon that I hear, I'll steal it. Absolutely, I'll steal that. I like what one pastor says. He, goes, he says it this way. He goes, you want to steal my sermons? He goes, go right ahead. If my bullet fits your gun, just shoot it. Just, just, just go right ahead. And I'm like, I like that idea. But we're all trying to build the kingdom. And so what we're doing is we're looking at some people, and specifically what we're doing is we're looking at Joseph, and we're looking at what he did. And I'm, the reason I started with Joseph, and I really like him, is Joseph, this case study, is we see Joseph from the very beginning. We see Joseph's family, and we talked a lot about that last week, that Joseph comes from a bit of a, we would say, dysfunctional family. Um, his, his dad fell in love with one woman, got tricked, ended up marrying her sister. He had actual sister wives, and then he added two more wives to that because his wives weren't having children. They're like, have children for this woman through, for me, through her. And if it doesn't make sense to you, it's because it doesn't actually make sense, and it doesn't work. And it was an absolute mess of a family. The dad played favorites with Joseph and, and gave him this special coat, and, and yet still God chose to use Joseph in a special way. And we see in Genesis 37 that at 17 years old, God gave Joseph two dreams. And he's showing just a glimpse of what God wants to do through Joseph to Joseph at 17 years old. 
You're not too young. You're not too old. God began to show Joseph what he wanted to do in him. But the first, the thing is this, that every one of us, Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. So if God has a plan for every single one of us, understand this, all of us will have to go through battles to get there. Joseph at 17 gets the dream. It doesn't come true until he's 30 years old. Now, I was homeschooled, but I can still figure that's 13 years. That's a few. Like, that's a few years. That wasn't as fast as I would imagine it would happen. I mean, if God says something's going to happen, aren't you like, well, it's next day or two-day delivery at the best, right? I mean, come on, where is this thing? Because we live in a land of instant. Everything should be right now. Everything should be instant, instant, instant. I'm frustrated with my internet right now because my ping speed is like 40 milliseconds. And I'm like... My internet's too slow. It drives me nuts because it's 40 milliseconds because we're so used to everything right now. But let me just tell you, God works in processes. And God shows Joseph a dream, gives him this dream, and then there's a 13-year process that Joseph walks through where he has to go through these battles before he is ready to do what God wants to do and what God's plan for him before he can walk in that plan he has 13 years, and he has battles that he has to overcome. Now, the good thing is this. If you fail a battle, you don't win, you can take it again. You will, you will fight it another day. And we saw that because the first battle that Joseph fought was the battle of pride, that God gave him these dreams, and what does he do? He goes and blabs it to his brothers. And then it doesn't go well. In fact, we can just, we can just read this right here. Joseph and this is found in Genesis 37, verse 5, is where we'll pick up. It said, Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. More. They hated him more. Everybody say more. If you've got more of something, it means you started with something. So they already didn't like him, and now they hated him more. He said to them, listen to this dream that I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaves rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mountain and bowed down to it. Verse 8. And his brothers said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more. Again, there it is. There's hate and we just keep adding to it. Will you actually rule over us? Then they hated him because of the dream that he had. So God gives him this. This, this is the beginning of his tests. He's going to fight these battles and pride. So what happens is he tells them the first dream, and God's like, okay, let's see what happens. So God gives him another dream, verse 9. Then he had another dream. What does he do with it? It went so well the first time, let's tell my brothers again. And he literally does. He goes to him and he tells his brothers, listen, I had another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother... And your brothers and I actually come and bow down to the ground before you. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Remember that. His father kept his, the matter in mind. But before we go any further on Joseph, I want you to think about something about this dream that Joseph had. He had two dreams. How spiritual were those dreams? I mean, just, 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 just hold on a second. The dream was that he was going to his family would bow down to him. It wasn't that one day he was going to be a priest. It wasn't to go start a church. 
It wasn't to go be a healing evangelist. But most of us, for some reason, when we think of the things that God has in store for us, we think spiritual and we don't think natural. And we have this idea that natural and spiritual are secular and evil and spiritual and good. And God, the vision, the dream that God gave him had nothing to do with the gospel per se. God was going to use it, but it wasn't. So let me just say this. If God lays on your heart and the thing that's on your heart is you're like, I want to be a businessman, then be a businessman or woman. Just do it. If that's what God's laid on your heart to do, that can be it. And what we're going to see as we follow Joseph is that God dreams aren't so much that they're just these huge spiritual things and that we walk around and we just like, it's, it's all spiritual, but instead that when we're following God, we do things differently. And the big things that are different are how and who. The how and the who are so different, and we're going to see it as we follow Joseph. But no matter what it is God's called you to do, that's what you get to do. And it can be anything. You could be a vet, absolutely. You say, well, I want to be a doctor. Go be a doctor. You want to be a politician? Well, maybe. Do that one too. Go for it. But understand this, for you and I, we do not live a spiritual, non-spiritual life. Everything that we do is spiritual. They don't collide, they are one. The dream that God gave Joseph wasn't to be a pastor, it wasn't to get a certain number of people saved, it was you are going to rule. I don't know what the dream that God gave you is, maybe you thought it couldn't be God because it wasn't spiritual enough. Because you were told that if it doesn't come with chapter and verse, then that couldn't be God. But God's like, no, that's not what it is. The difference is the how and the who, and we'll get to that in a minute. So here we're finding Joseph in this 13-year gap, and we're watching the battles that he has to go through. Now understand this, all of us will have to go through these same battles that Joseph went through. We're going to have these battles in our lives, things that we have to get through that prepare us to do what God wants us to do. But if you fail and you lose a battle, just remember this, you will live to fight another day. Joseph lost the pride battle. He told his brothers the dream. It wasn't good. They hated him all the more. He went back out and he told them the next dream so they would hate him even more. And he didn't even care. And then this is where we find Joseph, Genesis 37, verse 12. Soon after this, Joseph's brothers went to the pasture, their father's flocks at Shechem. And when they had been gone for some time, Jacob said to Joseph, your brothers are pasturing sheep at Shechem. Get ready and I will send you. I am ready to go, Joseph replied. I just think that's a... Get ready. I'm ready. Does anybody... Why did your dad ask you to get ready if you weren't ready? Anyways, he, just, he thinks he's ready. And I read that and I just, I'm, I wish I was a fly on the wall and could figure out what that kid was thinking. But here we go, verse 14. Go and see how your brothers and the flock are getting along, Jacob said. Then come back and bring me a report. So Jacob sent him on his way and Joseph traveled to Shechem from there home in the valley of Hebron. Now, Jacob sent his son Joseph. Joseph, if you remember from last week, is one of 12 brothers. He's got a sister. He's one of 12 brothers, and he's the second youngest. How many of you parents would send your youngest to check on the oldest? 
They're out and they've been gone in the field for a while. I'm going to send my youngest. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. So every now and then, just for fun, when, when Beck and I will go for like a short little something, we'll disappear for a little while, just for fun, I will tell our six-year-old Bo that he's in charge. Because he always comes up and asks. He's like, can I be in charge? And so I just look at him and, then, and I'll be like, Bo, mom and I are going and maybe we're going to get the mail or something or we're going to go. So I'm like, hey, you're in charge. And I'll just leave. And he's there with the other five. And we have, uh, we have 15, 14, 12, 10, and 6. And so I'll leave the six-year-old in charge. And I won't tell anybody else anything else. And the oldest two are girls. And they're mini mommies. They've, they have been since day one. And so they'll just take care of everything. I don't need to say anything. They'll just do it. They just take care of business. And it all, it all goes on. But when Bo's left in charge, he's like, all right, you have to do this. And I want a sandwich. And no big cookies for everyone. And, and he's just running through the house doing his thing. And it's hilarious, but it's not something you'd actually do. Now, the Bible doesn't specifically say it, but what did we just read just a few minutes ago? We said that when Joseph told his dreams to his father and brothers, his father took note of it. And what I think is happening right here is dad, who is the one that interpreted the dream, when Joseph told the dream, his father was the one that said, will your mother and your brothers and I bow down to you. So dad interpreted the dream, and then kind of just later, I think he was just thinking and thought, huh, he's already my favorite. And then he had a soft spot for Joseph. So what dad tries to do is to promote Joseph. That's what I think is going on right here. So instead of being out shepherding with the other brothers, he's back at the house. He's hanging with Joseph. I think dad's one of those that believed in more, more is caught than taught. So why don't you just stick around here? So he tries to promote Joseph. But when you get promoted before you're ready, the right thing at the wrong time is still wrong. And we're going to see what happens because Joseph shows up. And what, do, what, does, what happens? Let's find out. Verse 15. When he, this is Joseph, arrived there, a man from the area noticed him wandering around the countryside it, just, it doesn't paint a pretty picture of Joseph, does it? Like, oh, where are my brothers? I'm just going to wander. I don't know. He's just wandering around. That's how I read that. Maybe you don't. Maybe he's like, he's wandering. But for me, he's wandering. <laughs> so he's wandering around. What are you looking for? Somebody finds him and asks. He says, I'm looking for my brothers. Do you know where they are pasturing the sheep? Yes, the man told him. They have moved on from here. But I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph followed his brothers to Dothan, and he found them there. And when Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance as he approached, and they made plans to kill him. Not good. But let me ask you a question. How do you think Joseph's brothers recognized him in the distance? I think he, yeah, I think he was wearing that coat. I think it could have been 95 degrees and Joseph's like, where is my special colorful coat? And he's just wearing this thing. He is that dense and he does not realize the hatred that his brothers have. You ever just see something and it reminds you of something that somebody did to you? You just drive by a building and you remember? I think every time that Joseph's brothers saw that coat, they're just like, mm. they're grinding their teeth a little bit like, son of a blah, blah, But... But this is what ends up happening. So they see him coming. They make plans to kill him. 
Here comes the dreamer, they said. Come, let's kill him. Let's throw him in one of these cisterns, and we can tell our father that a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what comes of those dreams. They remembered those dreams. They remembered those dreams. But when Reuben, who was the oldest, heard of the schemes, he came to Joseph's rescue. Let's not kill him. Why should we shed any blood? Let's just throw him in an empty cistern here in the wilderness. Like that's that much better. Now, we do read a little bit later that his plan was to try to come back and get him out of the well. But I'm like, yeah, still isn't like, you couldn't have just been like, let's not do this. This is a bad idea. Like just that right there. I don't know. I'm not exactly sure. Verse 23, when Joseph arrived, his brothers ripped off the beautiful robe he was wearing. That robe got him in some trouble. That was a little bit, that whole pride test that he failed, he failed right up to the end. So here he's got, he's got the robe, and that ro- another robe is going to come into play in a little bit, but I don't think we'll get to it today. Then they grabbed him, and they threw him into a cistern. Now the cistern was empty, and there was no water in it. And then, just as they were sitting down to eat, they looked up and saw a caravan of camels in the distance coming down towards them. It was a group of Ishmaelite traders taking a load of gum, balm, aramic resin, and Gilead down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, what will we gain by killing our brother? We'd have to cover up the crime. I mean, that does make sense. You would. Instead of hurting him, like this isn't going to hurt, right? Let's sell him to those Ishmaelite traders. After all, he is our brother, our own flesh and blood. And his brothers agreed. So when the Ishmaelites, who were the Midianite traders, came by Joseph's brothers, pulled him out of the cistern, and sold him to them for 20 pieces of silver. Now, if I was being sold as a slave. For 20 pieces of silver, you want to know what I'm doing? I'm like, hey, I'm dad's favorite. If I'm Joseph, I'm like, hey, 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 my dad will give you way more than 20 pieces of silver for me. This is a bad deal. Do not buy, like, like maybe not when my brothers are right there, but the minute that they're gone, I'm saying all of this and I'm getting out of this. Like, wouldn't every one of us do this? My thought is that when Joseph's brothers who hated him and wanted to kill him finally decided to act on it, that they weren't like, hey, get a rope, lower him in the well. The kids' books, when I read the kids' Bibles and they show like a rope and them lowering him down, I'm always like, that's not what happened. They threw him into the bottom. And then the kids' books take things out like David cutting off Goliath's head with a sword. And I'm like, I got to add pages into this. We got to fix this. It wasn't that nice. This isn't, where's some blood in any of this? Joseph, it doesn't say he said anything. So either one, he tried and it didn't work, or he was beat so badly he wasn't talking. I personally think it was the latter. Joseph finds himself in this pit partially because he failed the pride test. He failed that battle. He's wearing that stupid coat, repeating the dreams, oblivious of how it makes anybody and everybody else feels. Yes, the dreams were from God. Yes, that was the plan that God had for him. And he ends up in this pit. So let's keep reading. And this is the pit battle. And now he's going to get out of the pit, but let me just say, the pit, what it is for you and me, is what are we going to do when we find ourselves in the pit? And it could be a financial mess. That, yeah, we didn't do everything right, 
but everything else went wrong to us, and everything broke at once, and that's how we found ourselves here. It could be financial, it could be in your marriage, it could be relationally, it could be in business, it doesn't matter where it is. But you're like, yeah, I had some part to play in this, but I don't deserve what I got. I hadn't done everything right, but I surely don't deserve this. When that happens, are we going to sit and pout? Are we going to grow? And are we going to go and keep moving? And this is what it says about Joseph. We're going to go to Genesis 39, verse 1. Meanwhile, Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, where an Egyptian named Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and a captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph And he became a successful man serving in the household of his Egyptian master. Now, does any of that make, like, like, like hit you just a little bit wrong? Joseph, the Bible says that the Lord was with Joseph and that Joseph became a successful man serving in the house of his master. He didn't own anything. He didn't own the clothes he was wearing. He was owned. He didn't didn't own himself. And yet the Bible says he was a success. Is that what most of us would call successful? You're like, one day I'm going to get there. I won't even own my... No. But Joseph did things differently. And let me just say this. Success is not what you own, how much you make, how many dollar figures, who thinks you're what, or who knows your name, or will take your phone calls. That is not success. Joseph was a success when he owned nothing. So why? Why was he a success right then and right there? And the difference is, the reason why he, Joseph was a success as a slave owning absolutely nothing not getting to make his own decisions for himself was because he did two things different. How and who he gave the glory to. So let's take a look at it. And this is what it says about him. And the Lord was with Joseph and he became a successful man. How? How, how, did, how was he successful? Verse 3 says this. When his master saw that the Lord was with him and made him prosper in all that he did. So here's some things that we know. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. So when we go to do something, we don't do it like the world does. We commit our actions to the Lord. Joseph did that. Colossians 3 verse 22 says, slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything. Now that applies perfectly to Joseph, but to you and I, that's more like, and employees, obey your bosses. Not only when their eyes are on you and to carry their favor, but with sincerity of heart and reverence for the Lord. Verse 23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working to the Lord and not for human masters, since knowing that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as your reward, it is the Lord Christ you're serving. You want to know what Joseph did? Joseph did an ordinary thing in an extraordinary way because he did it heartily as unto the Lord. And as a result, it brought blessing to him. It brought blessing to his master. And as a result, who did he give the glory to? God. Potiphar looked and said, it's got to be God. 
it's not this kid. It's got to be God. And let me just say, you want to know what I want for you? And you want to know what I want for my kids? And I pray over every one of my kids. I pray that their favor, God's favor, would be so strong on them that anybody from the outside would look and be like, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. There's no way that that could be them. That was Joseph. Because he did it differently. When we do the ordinary in an extraordinary way. And let me just say, as believers, that's what we're called to do every time. We don't work for man. We work for God wherever we find ourselves, no matter where we find ourselves. Now, in the world, what, is, what do we do? We do as little as we can. And what do we do when our boss is watching? We do what, at least enough to get by. Just, just, just kind of slide underneath the radar. And you know what? If you're not getting paid enough, it's probably okay to cheat a little bit, maybe steal a little, cheat on your hours a little bit, put some hours in that you're actually not doing. That's okay. Maybe steal a little bit here and there because they don't even really pay you enough anyways, and you can justify it. I remember when I was a kid, I was at a friend's house, and I opened up the closet door um, in, in one of the rooms, and there's all these boxes, and they just looked like they needed to be opened. Because as a little kid, sometimes you ever find a box, like, you just have to open this. So I find one of these boxes, and I pull it down, and it's about like this big. And I open it up, and it's full of pens, like writing pens. But not like, they didn't all just say like, um, U-Haul. They weren't a bunch of like business pens. They were bunches of different businesses' pens. And I'm like, what in the world? And I'm like, I wonder what's in this another box. So I grab another one. It's about the same size, and I open it up, and I'm like, Pens. And they're all different businesses again. And then and one that was actually like uh, in one of the boxes, I remember there's a, a, like a bunch of one bank pens. I'm like, what in the world? And anyways, there's probably 15 or 20 boxes of pens in this closet. And I go to my buddy, I go, what in the like, What is that? And he goes, my uncle is a klepto. He just steals pens everywhere he goes. And he had just a closet full of pens. And I was like, oh my goodness. And as a kid, I was like, he's going to jail. <laughs> the evidence is right there. Like, how do you not do, know to not keep the evidence? You can't do that. That, and I remember thinking like, somebody paid for those. And he stole them. And I was like, I am not going to steal pens. I'm like, I, no, I'm serious. I was like, I am not going to steal pens. So I would go into the bank, and every now and then you go into the bank, and they've got the little tether, and I'm like, you don't need the tether for me. But anyways, you know, and I'm, I would think of my friend. I'm like, you do for him. That's why they tether those things. But we can justify so much of it. Because, oh, I'm not getting paid enough, and, and, and really the work that I do. But as believers, here's what we do. We do it differently. Wherever we find ourselves, the how and the who gets the credit is different. How is we do it all heartily is under the Lord? Every bit of it, when our bosses are watching and when they're not. Whether we have a boss and we own it or not, we're working as under the Lord. And then the who is different, and here's the who. You want to be a success? You do it differently. Heartily is under the Lord. And then who gets the glory? It's God. God gets the glory. How is this happening? It's God. How did your company get in the right position? You just, you just seem to be in the right place in the right time, and you're like, no, it was God. 
Well, you just hired the right people. No, God's favor was on us. Joseph gave glory to God. Potiphar looked, realized the favor that was on Joseph was beyond Joseph and knew it was God. And as a result, we see it helps to position Joseph to be and do what God called him to do. He didn't sit around. Like, how easy would it have been to sit around and just mope and be like, I'm a slave. God, you gave me this dream. Look what my brothers did to me, and I was my dad's favorite, and my jacket's gone. But he didn't do any of it. It's not recorded. Maybe he cried for a bit. He was 17. Maybe men don't cry. I don't know. But he worked right where he was, heartily as unto the Lord. He did something ordinary, different, gave God glory. And as a result, the Bible says he was blessed. Not only that, but he was successful. Can I just tell you, success doesn't come because you hit any number. No ladder you climb, nothing that you can afford to buy or do. Success is right where you are, serving heartily as unto the Lord and giving God glory right where you find yourself. And if God moves you somewhere else, guess what you do in the next spot? You do the same thing. It's exactly what we see King David did before he became king. Before he became king, the prophet Samuel says he's coming over to the house. And Jesse, David's dad, the prophet says, hey, I want to come over. I want to meet your kids. And Jesse says, okay. Samuel shows up, he says, line up your kids. And Jesse says, here they are. Guess who wasn't there? David. Dad didn't even care enough. Dad cared more about the sheep. I don't know what it is. Did dad just completely forget? He's like, I got so many. I don't know. I think they're all there. You count. I've got five. I have lost count before. But anyways. He gets left out. Then he gets anointed. In front of his brothers, by the way, in front of his dad, anointed king by the prophet Samuel, and then the next day, guess what? Dad sends him right back to the sheep because nothing's changed. I think that's where many of us miss it, is because we think we have this experience, God shows us this dream, we get this burden on our heart, and we think the next day it's going to be different. And we wake up and we're like, <laughs> my poop still stinks. Like it's all the same. Not, we're still human. The problems we had the night before are still there, and we've got to solve them. The car still leaks, and it doesn't want to do this, and this isn't working here, and your, that neighbor's still that neighbor. The problems you had are still there. But what you and I are, God doesn't come to take away our problems. He tells us how to go through it. The how is different. We do it heartily as under the Lord. And who gets the glory is different. We give all the glory to God. So David goes out. And you want to know what he does? He shepherds different. He goes right back to doing the same thing he's always done. Except he does it a little bit different. And we know he does it different because when the time finally came, when David is standing there and he hears David is standing on a battle line and he hears the enemy, the Philistines, a giant, a champion from among them come out and challenge the army of the living God, Israel. 
and say, send out a man to fight me. And we'll, we'll decide the whole battle right here and now. Can you imagine doing that? Like Ukraine and Russia, just one guy represents the whole thing. Boom, it's done. Okay, it settles it. That's what they did. And this giant comes out, and David is standing there. And when he hears the giant's challenge, his response is, how dare? Something rises up on the inside of him. And he says, how dare this giant defy the armies of the living God? I'll take him out. Something on the inside rises up inside him. And he gets brought before King Saul. And King Saul looks at David and says, you can't do this. You're just a boy. Why do you think you can do this? And David looks at him and he says, I can when I was tending my father's sheep, if a lion or a bear came, I went, I saved the animal. If it turned on me, I struck it, I killed it, and brought the lamb back. That's doing something ordinary in an extraordinary way. It wasn't like, well, I've, I've got hundreds left. You know, I should call some backup shepherds next time. No, he went out and took care of it. And, but this is what he said to King Saul. He said, the same God that rescued me from the hand of the lion and the bear will deliver this Philistine to me. He did it differently and he gave God the glory. And that put him in the position to kill that giant and to go from nobody knows who you are to the next day everybody's singing his name. The next day. Because what he did is he did something ordinary in an extraordinary way. I don't know where God has you. Maybe the dream he put in your heart you thought wasn't spiritual enough. Maybe you're like, but I've been in this holding pattern and, and shouldn't things change? And they just haven't. It's 13 years for Joseph. I don't know where you are in it, but let me just say, Jeremiah 29, 11 is true. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. You want to be successful? It's easy. It's not a dollar amount. It's simply this. It's we do it differently. The how is different. We do it hardly as under the Lord. And who gets the glory? It's God. And we watch what he can do with it, in us, and through us. Would you bow your heads? Let's pray. Before we leave today, I just want to ask, is there anyone here? Maybe you're watching online and you say, I don't know where I stand with God. I've been doing my own thing, making my own plans, but today I want to give my life to Him. I want His plan for my life. I want to serve Him. I want to be forgiven and set free. Jesus came and He paid a price that we could not pay so that you could be free. He paid the price by giving His life for you and for me. He says, you want to be forgiven? He says, here's, here's what you need to do. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died on the cross and rose again and you can be saved. You can know beyond a shadow of a doubt where you go when you die, but more than that, you can begin to live for him right now. If that's you, I'd love the honor of praying with you right in your seat. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand and then we're going to pray. Or maybe, maybe for you, you say, you know, today I just need to come back. I've been tiptoeing around this Christian thing. I've been to church a thousand times, but today I just need to declare I'm his and go all in for God. I need to stop this battle of back and forth in my way, his way. I need to just give it to him and declare I'm all in. If you're either of those, I'd love the honor of praying with you. 
If that's you at the count of three, lift your hand and right in your seat, we're going to pray. Get ready. One, two, three. Right now, lift it high and say, that's me and today is my day. Thank you. All right, those online, in this room, wherever you are, let's just pray this prayer out loud with those that lifted their hands. If you lifted your hands as you say these words, make them your own. And let's pray all together out loud. Say, Jesus, forgive me and make me new. I believe you died. You shed your blood so I could be free. From now on, I'm yours. Come rule and reign in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. Our mission here at Life West Church is to see you and your family equipped and empowered to be and do all that God has for you. For additional resources and info, go to lifewest.church.